Okay, so last week we left our main character, Joseph, in a big old mess. He was in a pit. He had been betrayed by his brothers. They threw him in a pit, trying to figure out what they're going to do with him. I mean, it started out like maybe we should kill him. No, maybe we should let him die. Now that seems a little harsh. And so they decided when they saw a group of merchant traders coming their way, headed to Egypt, they decided to sell him for 20 pieces of silver, which evidently was the going rate for a little brother back then. And then they made up the story, right? Joseph's headed to Egypt. They go home and make up the story to their dad, and dad ends up buying the whole thing and assumes Joseph is dead. What a mess. What a mess. So now Joseph, by the way, if you haven't read this, you need to read this. Genesis chapter 37 through 50. If you have not read this on your own, I challenge you, I invite you to this journey uh, and, and just take your time going through it. It's just fascinating stuff. So Joseph finds himself in Egypt. These merchant traders take him to Egypt, and then when he gets there, they sell him again. So he's been sold twice in a very short amount of time. They sell him to a guy named Potiphar. Potiphar was a high-ranking official in the regime of Pharaoh. In fact, his official title was captain of the palace guard for Pharaoh. So now Joseph is a slave, a servant to Potiphar, who's way up in the regime of this Pharaoh. And that's just where we pick up the story. And we're going to find this is a very key placement as far as what God wants to do in Joseph's life. So let's pick it up here. Check this out. The Lord was with Joseph. That's huge. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master named Potiphar. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. We're getting ready to find out in the next few moments in the next few chapters in the next couple of weeks what a life begins to look like when someone begins to clue into the fact that wait a second the lord is with me does it mean everything gets fixed no does it mean everything goes perfectly no but it sure means a lot and so let's watch what happens this please potiphar so he soon made joseph his personal attendant he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. How cool is that? If you're Potiphar, you're like, I don't know what this kid you know, is, is into. I don't know what he's, you know, eats for breakfast or whatever. But man, it's like when he's around, things are going better. I like this kid. He kind of elevates him, promotes him, promotes him, promotes him. And we know, because we know the backstory, God is blessing Potiphar because of Joseph. So if you're Joseph, hold on, hold on. Things are starting to look up. Things are starting to look a little bit better for me. And I don't know what the pit thing was all about. And then I got sold and then sold again. And, and now I'm a slave, a servant. Wait a second, things are starting to turn around a little bit and things are looking up. And then the scriptures give us this interesting detail that just seems to be like, what? what's that about? Watch this. I, lo I love how God does this. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Like, how are you doing? <laughs> hey. Yeah. 
And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. And some of you are like, man, that's in the Bible? Man, I gotta start, I gotta start reading some Bible. Yeah, it's all kinds of saucy stuff in there. You'd be surprised. Now we don't know, we don't know exactly, you know, the, the details of, of how that interaction went down. We do know that Joseph was in his late teens, 17, 18, 19, probably at this point. Um, and we're not quite sure, you know, what Potiphar's wife was like. I read this, I'm thinking it's probably like a cougar moment. Really? You know, she's probably a little older and she's like, hey, here's this hot dude and I want to see if I still got it kind of thing. And so she's coming on strong. She demanded, she demanded. So this is not one of the, some of you are like, I'm not going to smile. <laughs> smile. It's fun stuff. I mean, this is what God, this is what God tells us. He tells us these details. This is so cool. It helps us understand. This is real stuff. This is not fairy tale stuff. And so we know that she was coming on strong. She demanded. So this is tense. And the scripture tells us that day after day after day after day, this happened. That she came on to him day after day after day. And the scriptures tell us that day after day after day, he resisted. Uh Uh-uh. I mean, it, it might be that he was like, gross, no. Like, you're old enough to be my mom, you know, kind of thing. Or... It could have been that she was very attractive. And maybe she was a lot younger than most wives would be. And this was a very difficult decision. We're not quite sure. But we do know this. Day after day after day. When Joseph could have chosen to do something unwise, he chose to do right. Day after day after day until one day the pressure she was really pouring it on and he was like no get away from me he resisted her so strongly he ran and as he ran she grabbed his outer cloak his outer garment kind of ripped it off of him and she was holding it and he just took off well immediately she cries rape like this guy look 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 and she called for her husband. And this is what she said to Potiphar. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. What? That's not what happened. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Now Potiphar heard this and did what I think any well-respecting husband would do, especially if you had power and authority like Potiphar did. So Potiphar took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there Joseph remained. Hmm. Joseph learned a very um, sobering, humiliating, frustrating lesson that day, and it's one that you know very well, I'm sure. Maybe you know it from your past, or maybe you're living in it right now, but, but this is just true, all right? And, and Christians don't like to talk about this kind of stuff because it doesn't sound real Jesus-y. It doesn't sound real spiritual. It doesn't sound like you have strong faith and that you're living in victory, right, and all that kind of stuff. But here's reality. Now let's talk about what's real. Things can go wrong when you do right. Things can go wrong when you do right. Anybody else have that experience? Anybody else been like, yeah, I did what was right. I said what was right. I mean, I'm not perfect. 
don't, don't get me wrong, but I know I did that one right. I know I said that right. I know I went about that the right way and things just blew up in my face. I mean, Joseph was falsely accused for something he did not do. If you're Joseph, you gotta be thinking, what the heck? I did the right thing and it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But I did the right thing and now this. You ever choose to do the right thing and then things get worse? So frustrating. I mean, some of you are probably thinking, yeah, I told the truth. I remember, I just told the truth. I was honest. And now things are worse than before. Now things down at the office are so awkward and people aren't talking to me, you know, because I wouldn't go along with the deception. I wouldn't go along with the cover up. I wouldn't go along with everybody else. I actually, you know, came clean with this is what's going on. This is what's being said. This is what's being done. And now I'm ousted kind of thing, and no one talks to me, no one trusts me. Yeah, yeah, I was honest when it was hard. I mean, I, I was honest on my taxes. I was honest with my income this year. And I mean, like really honest. I mean, I really went out of my way to make sure I reported everything correctly, and I got so burned on my taxes because, and, and I could have done just like the guy down the street, my neighbor, I mean, Uncle Sam doesn't know what he has. Right? Or my brother, he never reports. I mean, everything, you know, like the table is so high and there's a lot under it kind of thing. And they never, you know, oh yeah, but I did the right thing and now I'm paying through the teeth. Or I told the truth. I told the truth and I was honest about what I did, about what I said. And now my relationship with this person, I mean, it looks like it's over. I mean, I could have kept, could have kept pretending. I, I just could have kept deceiving. I, I could have just kept my mouth shut because now it's so much worse. I hear people say, you know, well, I started going to church. I, I, I now go to church and I read my Bible and I pray and I've been doing all these things and I, I'm, I'm serving and, and now my life's just getting worse all of a sudden. Or I didn't go where everybody else went and I didn't do what everybody else was doing and now I'm isolated and people are talking about me and they think I think I'm better than they are, which I'm not. I just didn't want to do the unwise. I didn't want to say the, I, I knew better. And now it's like I'm suffering because of it. Or I started giving, I started tithing, you know, and the car broke down. Like, are you serious? Or maybe like the story we just heard, I found out I've got cancer. Or maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I gave my time and energy and I was serving, you know, and I volunteered and I felt like I was taken advantage of and nobody thanked me. Nobody acknowledged me. Nobody even knows how much I contributed. Or maybe parents, you ever felt like this? Well, I'm not a perfect parent but I know I raised my kids as right as I could possibly raise them. I know I taught them what was right. I know, I know, I know I had this talk with my kids. I know I told them. And you'd never know that by looking at them. Or maybe in your marriage, you're thinking, no, I, I did the hard work. I said, yes, I would go to counseling and she left me anyway. And he left anyway. Or when we got into counseling to deal with this, all this other stuff came out and, and now it's so much worse and so much more layered and so much more messy than it was before. We, I did the right thing. I don't get it. I thought when you do the right thing, things start turning 
around. Well, sometimes things go wrong when you do right. Now, now I'm not advocating a victim mentality. None of us should go around with the attitude of, oh, poor me, poor me. And, And Christians, it really is unappealing when you and I, as followers of Jesus, have a victim mentality. Are you kidding me? Like, poor me, poor us. I did what was right, and I don't understand. And well, you know, no, no, no. Please drop that. And that's not what we're talking about at all. But it is real that sometimes when you do what's right and things go wrong, it can be maddening. Oh my goodness. So discouraging. It can, it can put you on the edge of bitterness. And it can be extremely surprising. Have you ever been surprised? Have you ever done the right thing, expecting a certain outcome, and then you're shocked that it didn't work out better than it did? Do you know why? Because you and I often buy into something that's called linear thinking. We think life is like this. A plus B equals C. A plus B equals C. Now, if you've seen this before, you think back to, you know, math class somewhere, late middle school, early high school, a little bit of algebra maybe, you know, thank you Pythagoras and your theorem, serum, whatever it is, I don't know. It's got something to do with all that. Just kind of makes me break out in hives just thinking about it. Right, A plus B equals C. And, and, and the thinking goes like this. Now, now, think about life, not math. You're thinking, okay, here's me, A. This is the way life is supposed to work. Then I do this, B. Then I'm going to get C, right? It's just the way it is. It's the way I was taught. It's the way I, I, here's me, and I'm going to do the right thing, so I'm going to get the right result. This is me. I'm going to say the right thing, and even though it's hard, I'm going to say and do the right thing, then I'm going to get the result that I was hoping, that I was thinking, that I really think, even in, you know, I, I think God promised me that I'm always going to get this right here. Oh, does he? I mean, here's me over here, and I'm going to do the Christian thing, and I'm going to say the Christian thing, and I'm going to respond in a Christ-like way, then boom, everything's going to come out rosy. Everything's going to come out smelling great. Everything's going to work out just fine. Here's the problem with this linear thinking. Life doesn't work like this. Life is not a formula. This is not reality. This is not reality. Sometimes A plus B equals C. And sometimes A plus B equals F. Fail. Right? And sometimes A plus B equals 7. I don't even know how that's possible, right? Or 42, I I, I don't know. Sometimes A plus B doesn't equal C. Why? Because there's this thing called brokenness. Sin. Because there's this thing called free will. Because you can't control people, you can't control things, you certainly can't control life. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Because I get it, I get it. Well, heck, man, if, if I'm going to suffer for doing right, then why bother with doing right? Why not just go ahead, if I'm, gonna go, if I'm going to prison anyway, if I'm Joseph and I'm going to prison anyway, right? then, then why not go ahead and sleep with the woman? I mean, if, if we're going to end up where I would be if I did what was wrong, then why do I have to worry with doing what is right? Why do what's right? If, if getting honest, if being truthful, 
if doing the right thing, saying the right thing in the right way brings me this much pain and heartache and grief in this moment? It's a great question. And it all surrounds our motivation for doing what is right. So let me give it to you. This is what we learn by watching Joseph. That you do right because it is right. It's a principle thing. It's not a feeling thing. It's not a situation thing. It's not a circumstance thing. It's a principle thing. The idea is to learn to do what's right because, man, that's just right. Regardless of the outcome. Regardless of whether or not A plus B equals C or not. You just do what's right because it's right. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, what decides what's right and what's wrong? Well, that's a different topic for a different day. We can get into that at another time. But I'm just going to assume right now for, for our conversation today that things you know, a lot of you know what's right. I'm not talking about the times when you're like, I'm not quite sure if it's like this or like this. No, I'm talking about the obvious things like love is right. Honesty is right. Truth is right. Being gracious, that's right. I mean, the, the response is you know this is the right thing. And deep down in your gut, even the ones that you're like, mm, it could go that way or this way, but I'm pretty sure this is the right thing to do. You know that. I'm talking about those things. You do those things because they're right. Not because you want to be right. You do right, not to be right. Now, now listen, let's be honest. <laughs> Everybody likes to be right. Being right is awesome. Being right is a lot better than being wrong. Ain't that right, husbands? Ain't that right, wives? We go to a lot of trouble to establish who's right, right? And you don't have to say your wife is wrong. All you have to do is prove you're right. And she can fill in the blanks. You don't have to tell him he's wrong. All you got to do is go, see, and he can figure it out, right? Down at the office, oh, you don't have to call an extra meeting to put up a pie chart and everything and prove to everybody, you know, yeah, I told you my hunch was right. No, 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 right? You just want to, you just want it to be known. See, I told you guys, you should have listened to me next time, right? A lot of times we do what is right because we want to be seen as right. And there's nothing wrong with being right. And there's really nothing wrong with desiring to be right. You just got to be really careful if that's your primary motivation because that's a slippery slope that leads into selfishness. Because it's all focused on how you want to look and how you want to be perceived and other people's opinion of you. You see, I want to be right is a motivation. But the higher motivation is I want to do right because it is right. It's not about me being right. It's not about people pointing it to me and saying, see, they were right. It's about the principle of I do right because it is right. See the difference? You do right because it is right, not to be right and not to get what's right. And this one's tricky, especially for Christians, right? And I'll explain it. A lot of times we're like, yeah, I want to do what's right because I want to get the right result. I want A plus B. I want the C. I want what I want at the end of the equal sign to be what it is I want. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this so that I get that. Except we've already talked about that. A lot of times you do this and do this and expecting that, but get that over there. And you're like, what? Because A plus B doesn't always equal C. So the motivation has got to be greater than to get what's right because you won't always get what's right. But that's still our motivation, right? Now, there's nothing wrong 
to want to get the right result. Nothing wrong with that at all, but if that's your primary motivation, it's a slippery slope into selfishness because the higher motivation is the better motivation because it is right. And I know what some of you are thinking, well, God doesn't bless people? You mean God doesn't bless me for doing what's right? Are you trying to say, Pastor Jonathan, that God won't bless me if I do the right thing? That's not what I'm saying at all. Does God bless us for doing right? Yes. Sometimes, immediately, always, eventually. But the space between immediately and eventually can be a very frustrating place to be, and that's where we live life, often. So yes, God blesses us, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be blessed, but why do I need to do what's right even if I'm not guaranteed it's going to work out the way I want? Because it is right, and it's honoring to God. Whether or not it works out the way you want, whether or not A plus B equals C, D, 71, P, doesn't matter, right? Because it's right, and it's honoring to God. And as followers of Jesus, are we not? Are we not? People who name the name of Christ, are we not? Longing to honor God above all things. Yes. Doing right is right, because it's honoring to him. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a follower of God, doing right is right. It's a principle and it's wise. It's just, it just makes good sense. You know another reason it's right? Because it's most loving to other people. The right thing is always the most loving thing, even if it doesn't feel like it immediately. Even if it doesn't seem like it immediately. The most, <laughs> the most loving thing you can ever do for somebody else is to do what's right whatever that means. You do what's right because it's right. It honors God. It's the most loving thing. Even if immediately it doesn't think, it look like or feel like that. And it always is better in the end. Let me, let me just put it like this. This is what Joseph's story at this point helps us see. Do right because it is right, even if it doesn't turn out right, because sometimes it won't. A plus B won't equal C. Do what's right, even if it doesn't turn out right, right now. Two important words, right now. Jesus went to great lengths to teach his followers this principle. He told his disciples, he said, listen, fellas, I, I was not very well liked among certain religious circles. <laughs> they, they didn't like me all that much, um, and if you're going to follow me and you're going to do a good job of following me, they're not going to like you either. Things were hard for me, and guys, if you're going to follow me, eventually they're going to be hard for you too. Jesus did his best to try to help guys understand this. He, he went so far as to say, listen, fellas, in this world, you will have trouble right now. Now, he goes on to say, but fear not, because I've overcome the world. But yeah, that happens later. But we get so focused on the right now, right? In this world, you will have trouble right now. Now, it's gonna to happen to you right now. You're gonna do what's right, you're gonna follow me, and things are not gonna turn out right, or at least the way you want, or hoped, or think you were promised or guaranteed right now, and that's okay, that's okay. Somewhere along the way, and it's highly unfortunate, and we've, we work very hard here at the summit to not do this. Somewhere along the way, we've taught Christians and people in church and people that are invested in Christianity that you can have a messed up, screwed up life, and all you gotta do is insert Jesus into anything, and it gets fixed. It's like we sell Jesus as a product on an infomercial, right? 
do you have this problem? Oh, no. Now, for 1995 Bliss Shipping and Handling, we will give you Jesus. And if you act now, we'll give you two Jesuses for the price of one. That's exactly, and we laugh at that, right? But if you listen carefully to what a lot of people have been taught in churches, and a lot of people have been taught and assumed through the years, is that, well, if I'll just get some Jesus, my marriage will get fixed, my finances will get fixed, I'll get healthy, my cancer will go away, when you keep adding on down, I'll get the promotion, I'll get the new car, blah, 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 my wife will have a baby, blah, 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 all the way down, and everything will be, woo, just like that. And unfortunately, a lot of movies, Christian movies have communicated that, like you get some Jesus and woo, it all just kind of smooths out, except sometimes, we all know this, it's like movie producers don't know this, but we all know this, A plus B doesn't always equal C. And sometimes what Jesus said is a reality. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, he said, eventually, I'm going to overcome the world, but we're not there yet. We're just in the right now, right now. And when you're living in the right now, right now, you're having a Joseph O pit moment after another, and now you did what was right, and it got worse, and now I'm in prison, and I've been here a while, as we will see next week. It's really hard to remember that, that it's worth doing right, even if it doesn't work out right. Um, In middle school, I was a basketball player, and I was really good in basketball in middle school, and I say that because I'm not good anymore. No. But in middle school, I owned the court because I've been this tall, and I'm not a very tall guy, I'm average height, but I was this tall in middle school at like seventh grade, which means I was taller than anybody else. And so they made me center. I was breaking in the, you know, the layups, the rebounds, man. It was just, I was, I was on fire, baby. It was awesome, and I loved it. It was great. I, I like living in the past. Uh, glory days. Um, anyway, basketball practice in middle school was brutal. I'm a basketball coach in middle school. Awesome coach. But we did, the, and you guys have probably done this, and you may still do it. I don't know if they still call in this, but we did this thing at the end of practice. <sighs> end of practice, we're already tired. Hello. We did suicide drills. And they probably have a more politically, anybody know suicide drills? Suicide, run suicides? There's probably a lot more politically correct word now. I don't know, anxiety drills. <laughs> I don't know what they call it now, but... <laughs> You need medicine drills, you know, whatever. Um, but they, we call them suicide drills for obvious reasons. And so, and no disrespect, but, it, you know, touch this line, go back, touch this line, run, touch this line, it gets, you know, worse. And then, and then on top of that, right, when we're, we've exhausted ourselves, we're about to pass out from pain and oblivion. It's exhausting. He says, all right, fellas, we're going to do some wall sits. Like, so what? What's you guys sit on a wall? What's that? You know what that is? You know, when you back up, put your back against the wall, and you squat until your knees are at a 90-degree angle. I'd do it now and really impress you, but I don't have any leg muscles anymore. <laughs> Those were in middle school. Um, we'd do wall sits, and we'd, we'd sit there. First minute, you know, no big deal. This is great. I'm actually resting, right? Minute three, minute four, your leg starts to quiver just a little bit. You know, and he's walking up and down. And you got it, you got it. Come on, come on, Robbins, keep that back straight. Come on, you got it. And he'd just hit your leg, you know, come back, whack, just smack it. Now, nowadays, he would lose his coaching job. You don't lay a hand on me, <laughs> right? 
and he loses coaching job. But back then, you could hit your players. You know, problem. It was Bobby Knight all the way. If you don't know what that means, and if you do, it's like it's great. And then he would say this from time to time. He would say it more often than not. I mean, we're screaming, guys. I mean, we're we're actually going ah ah, you know. And he, I mean, it's loud in there. And he says, if it ain't hurting, you ain't doing it right. What kind of messed up? thinking is that but he was right he said if you ain't hurting you ain't doing it right see this is exactly what joseph experienced this is exactly what you and i got to get comfortable with and even though it's not comfortable we got to get comfortable with the fact that often doing right is a painful experience And it's still right. It's right because it's right. Not because it worked out the way you wanted to. No, it's right. You got to get this. If you're in middle school and high school, if you're in your 20s and 30s, if you're in your 80s, this never changes. It's right because it's right. And sometimes right is painful. And it's called growth. It's called maturity. It's called change. It's called growing up and learning. And sometimes... Doing right doesn't work out right right now. And that's pain that is inevitable because God's taking you somewhere. Now, as we will see next week, just fast forward a little bit, God's keeping score for Joseph. He's keeping score. So God hasn't lost count of what's going on in Joseph's life. God saw the pit. God, God knows what went down in Potiphar. God saw the whole thing with you know, Joseph and, and Potiphar's wife. He, he knows exactly he didn't miss a moment, and now he sees Joseph in prison. He's fully aware, and God is keeping score. And that's hopeful for you and hopeful for me. Because in the moment right now, it looks like I did what was right, and it blew up in my face, and things got Worse, but the story isn't over yet for Joseph, and the story's not over yet for you or for me. God is the one that's keeping score. And what we will discover next week is that God finally has gotten Joseph in a place where he's going to begin to bring all the pieces together. And now these dreams are going to come back into play and what he experienced in the pit and what happened in Potiphar's house and all of that is going to start converging together and God is uniquely positioning Joseph, yes, even in a prison, to do amazing things in his life that we are still talking about today. Maybe God has just now gotten you to a place where you're exhausted with like, I thought it was going to go right. I thought it was going to get better. I did the right thing and now it's just just so hard. It's blowing up my face. Maybe God's just now getting you to a spot where things are going to start being pulled together from here and here and here. Not that it's all going to be perfect, but God's going to begin to chart out the next steps for you where all of the pieces begin to come together and you will realize yet again, God can be trusted. One more thing I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with this. This is so important. This will be encouraging. I, I really do believe it will be encouraging to you. In the first century, Peter, who really knew what it was like to do wrong and wrong things happen, and he also knew what it was right to do what's right and wrong things to happen. This is what he writes to first century Christians. But even if you should suffer for right, you are blessed. Well, how could you say that, Peter? Because he goes on. Because it's better if it's God's will for you to suffer for doing what's good than for doing evil. 
Because remember the thinking? Well, why do what's right? If I'm going to go to prison for doing what's right, why don't I just do what's wrong? And, you know, as long as I can. Because if you're going to suffer, it's better to suffer for doing right than to suffer for doing wrong. It's better to suffer for good than it is to suffer for evil. And then he gives us the ultimate example. For Christ also suffered also suffered meaning in the same way. Once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, for the unrighteous to bring you and me to God. In other words, if you're frustrated and discouraged and kind of like exhausted because you did what was right and, and, and then what happened after you did what was right kind of was like crazy, messy, I'm not sure, this was not C, this is not what I was hoping for, or this is not what I expected, then you're in good company. Not just with Joseph, but with Jesus. Because on the cross, when Jesus gave his life, he did the best right thing possible. And as a result, suffered more than anyone has ever suffered because he did the best right thing possible. And aren't you glad he did? And aren't we glad he did? And we celebrate the fact that he did the best right thing possible when he gave his life for us, but it caused him more pain than ever before. But even with Jesus, he did what was right. Even if it didn't look like it turned out right, right now, because there was a resurrection coming. And in your life and in my life, the story's not over. The God of the resurrection is still at work in your life and in my life. And he is keeping score, as we will see next week. And maybe as you will see before you know it in your own life. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this part of the story that reminds us the importance of doing what is right, period not just to be right, not to just get what's right, because sometimes we won't get what's right, at least not right now. Help us to follow Joseph's example, and even when it's hard, especially when it's difficult to do what's right, to do what's right, period. And to look to Jesus, who did the best right thing possible, knowing it would bring him the most pain imaginable. And yet, there is not something that we celebrate more than that. So help us, help me, Help all of us to do what's right because it's right, period. And trust you with the results, no matter what they are, trusting that you are keeping score and that you can be trusted. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so next week, we're gonna find Joseph in prison. And it's gonna get a little darker at first, but the light is coming. And we will see the light towards the end of our time next week, but God is uniquely positioning Joseph to begin to turn things around. And could it be that that's exactly where he has you in your life right now as well? And one more thing that I wanna let you know before I let you go is to encourage you and invite you. If you're not doing anything on June the 24th, and I'm talking to everybody, Kernersville, Oak Ridge, Jamestown, everybody watching online. If you're not doing something on the evening of June the 24th, which is a Sunday evening at 7 p.m., just as we told you about at the beginning of the service, we invite you to our worship night here at the Kernersville location 
all people from all locations coming into one place. Not, no, we won't be able to fit everybody in. We understand that. That's why the RSVP thing is so important. Go to the app, go to the website, RSVP. And when we're full, we're full. But we'll be doing more of them. If you miss this one because you're on vacation, that's okay. We're going to be doing more of them more often. So we invite you to this. It's going to be a great night of worshiping God together with the awesome band that God has allowed us to enjoy and experience. So, hey, hope you guys have a great day. We will see you next time.